Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Raja Bell. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. What is going on? Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell and Raja Bell. Thanks for checking us out. We got a big show lined up. It is National Signing Day today. We'll get some of that. NBA trade deadline is tomorrow. Big injury news, really upsetting in the NBA. We'll talk about Kristaps Porzingis and his future now with the torn, LCL, uh, torn ACL. The Cavs continue to implode, but huge news in the NFL as Josh McDaniels was announced officially head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. And then all of a sudden last night, I'm sitting there seeing Josh McDaniels trending. What's going on? He backed out, and he said, you know what? I'm going to go back to New England and be the offensive coordinator. I'm happy there. There's more to this story that we'll find out. You know it? There I has know. to be so you, much you, more. You, you it just doesn't it. make sense. I mean, someone give it, like, you have any insight on what it is? No. No one knows. Everybody's assuming. But there ha- so I, my guess is, and, and there's been a, a lot of speculation, of course, because it's a huge, it's a bombshell of a story. Right. Like, you don't see coaches back out from head jobs. Uh my guess is that it does have to do with his – he'll be the head coach and wait, the, the heir apparent to Bill Belichick. And I don't think it's concern about Andrew Luck's shoulder. Like I just I, – I, that was speculated, and I know he's going to Europe and he's doing the, the, the whatever technique they do when you know Peyton went over there, Kobe went over there, right. players go over to Europe to get the special treatment. He spinning, had, spinning your blood or whatever. I don't know. I thought yeah. that was for babies when you had the sex term determined. That doesn't work, by the way. <laughs> oh, it don't, really? Yeah, Wait, that's not, that you did? Yeah, yeah. Hold on a second. We just went on a sidetrack. Because, <laughs> you know, I yeah. and it didn't work. I had to fly up to Virginia. Yeah, there's and, only like, one place yeah, that does it. Yeah. For those I, of you who don't know, the young listeners who have no idea, you can determine the sex of your baby supposedly what? by spinning out the sperm cells, the boys and the girls, yep. and then – you're supposed to be able to determine if you, you can have a boy. <laughs> yeah, we, and it didn't work. Well, we actually we didn't. I don't think we got pregnant. So, oh, okay. Like, we, it, did, it didn't. It, it didn't okay, work it for didn't us. Take. It didn't take for us. Okay, yeah, all right, yeah, yeah. all right. So back to the story at hand. <laughs> right. So I don't. <laughs> I don't think uh, that it has to do with Andrew Luck. I do think it is about his future because I think Robert Kraft is a savvy owner. I think he did. I, I think he's still upset about the Flategate because the Colts are the team that reported him, and that was one of the biggest fiascos we've ever seen in NFL history. I think there is some animosity there, very real animosity. I think Kraft does, I think this season more than ever, saw, hey, this could be the end of Brady, Belichick, that combination. What's our succession plan? And I think he sat down, because get this, Josh McDaniels went to the facility to clear out his office. He was going in there. Now, I can imagine Robert Kraft says, hey, come up to my office, you know, say goodbye, or whatever it is, and just gives him the hard sell. Right. And that's how that's how it went down. That's my guess. That's my interpretation. I mean, I, I could see that, I guess, I, I guess. But why wouldn't you – you knew this was coming down the pike. Like, this was – you know, he's been interviewing for a while. He's been a hot name. This was a conversation – I mean, if I'm Robert Kraft and you're as savvy a businessman as he is, like this is a conversation that I'm out in front of. This isn't like a last ditch attempt. Oh my God, I screwed this up. Let me let me get in his office. So I I think it speaks more to to where he is, and I, I'm going to play the family angle. Yeah, because I've lived that. Like I I was in Cleveland, and I, my philosophy when I played was always as long as my kids weren't in school and they were young at the time, that I could pick them up and pretty much move wherever we went. My wherever I went, they would go. My wife was a trooper. It wasn't that big of a deal. But once they became school age, it became like that much harder to get up and move. And I didn't want to do that with them, except when I took the job in Cleveland because it was that good of a gig. Like I couldn't pass it up. I had to try it. 
And I was there for one year, and my, my family was, you know, they loved being at the games, but they were a little miserable being in Cleveland away from all their people. And it just took its toll. So I left. I, I just resigned, and I, I came home. So looking at it as a dad, knowing what that coaching life is like, uh, maybe he just said, you know, maybe it's a combination of all of that. Maybe he said, hey, look, the Indianapolis job, and there's some uncertainty there with the quarterback. And, yes, there's some here in New England because Tom's older. But if I'm going to be anywhere and have a chance to have that job in two years, it might as well be somewhere where my family's already set up. And, and that gets them through high school, and now we're now we can figure it out again. And so I, I think you're right, but I also think that family angle has to be played up a little more than it has been. I think it's a combination, a perfect storm of a lot of stuff. There was a lot of room, there was a lot of speculation last week in Minnesota because everybody's there from the NFL. Every media member is there, and there were a lot of rumblings that maybe it wasn't as ironclad as people thought because it had been reported for a couple weeks. I thought it was, was a done deal, right? Everybody, right. everybody assumed that, but. There was this undercurrent of maybe it's not, maybe it's not there. Huh. Maybe I don't, you know, maybe there's some, some doubt in Josh McDaniel's mind. And then when it gets announced, everybody's like, all right, it's closed. It's a done deal. I would say, like, is this part of Robert Kraft saying, man, this is real? Like, it, cause there's a, there's a negotiation back and forth and everybody tries to play their cards. Everybody tries to do, you know, use their leverage to their advantage. Maybe Robert Kraft wasn't willing to guarantee it. Maybe there was money discussed. Maybe there was a timeline discussed. Because Belichick, I'm sure. So you're is, saying they played poker down to the last minute yeah. with this thing? And like even this past, was, like after they show all the cards on the table, there's like still, one more hand. Right. Like one more go to. The four kids, I do think, because he has four children, young children, I think that probably had came into play. But how about this? So I think he burned a lot of bridges. Josh McDaniels did. So there are other coaches. From other squads. He had hired his defensive coordinator from the Dallas Cowboys. That guy resigns, takes the job with the Colts. He has a contract in place. What do the Colts do with him? They're screwed. Whoever they, now the Colts are screwed because they have to start from behind because all the candidates really, uh, Mike Vrabel was really the other hottest candidate. He already signed with the Titans and the Colts probably could have had him had they not been waiting on this one. There's a lot of, people that Josh McDaniels really ticked off. Absolutely. I mean, look, I, Does I it never matter. Yeah, it matters. I mean, it matters. That's, that's your, unless he's those, the head coach of the Patriots and, and he lasts for 10 years. And he like, yeah, well, in that case, he, but he really, but, but, but you don't do that. Like you don't do that to your peers, to your, to your, to your, you know, uh, your counterparts on, uh, across the league. Like you don't do that to organizations. I mean, I'll never begrudge a guy for ultimately doing what's right for his family. Like if he had cold feet, he wasn't going to be 100% invested in, in Indianapolis. Don't go there and BS the job. Having said that, like, this was a really, really bad look. You did screw a lot of people, and it was it was pretty unprofessional the way this was handled, in I, my opinion. I think, too, I don't think it has to do with Andrew Luck. I think he probably looked at that entire roster that Indy has. It's not that strong yeah, of a roster. Right. Stri strictly football-wise, what's a better situation? Say it takes him two years to replace Belichick. A 42-year-old uh -huh. Tom Brady in that culture in New England or a 30-year-old and potentially injured Andrew Luck at quarterback. I think the better situation clearly is New England, hands so, down, because you're in a winning culture. They already know how to win. You already have familiarity. And the other thing is maybe now you have say in who you draft a quarterback because they're, they're going to draft a quarterback this year. They have to find a succession plan. Then you get a young quarterback in the third or fourth round. Maybe you find another Jimmy Garoppolo. You take somebody, and then he's groomed under Brady yeah. as he gets older. Because I, I, I absolutely think I, – I think it's hands down it's the better one if you get that job and you're named the successor. All right, so that wasn't the only news out of New England. The other was the Malcolm Butler decision not to play. So there was a lot of – uh, we, we talked about it on Monday. Why would he bench him? Why wouldn't he play? Had to be rules violation, right? 
Well, there were reports that there was marijuana found on him, right? Was it was it marijuana found on him? It wasn't any – the players found it on right? Or the team found it on him? Missed curfew. Um, so what? So what? What? So what? So what if he missed curfew? Or had what? marijuana found on him? Uh, well, I mean, it's part of a, it's a, it's a rules violation, so right? What? <laughs> You're saying it's the I Super mean, did Bowl. he fail a drug test? <laughs> no. No. He didn't fail a drug test. So? All right. So here's what I would say. Cause I've been on teams. It would have to be where he had missed, like a guy who's consistently late for practice. Right. A guy who missed meetings. Sure. And I don't know that. Like, and, and but this might have been the culmination be a of a bunch offender. of things. Exactly. A repeat offender. This is a pattern. Now, Malcolm Butler, comes out post an Instagram with a long lengthy statement thanking the Patriots organization, but more importantly addressing these issues, saying none of the reports are true. Because here's the here's the one thing I have: if you suspended him, why did he, or or he was benched because why did you play one play yeah, on special teams? Ridiculous! Like why did you do that? Like it doesn't make any sense from a, a just a standpoint of why did you do that? I li- I don't think that the Patriots are used to having. You know, people come out. I, I think the Patriots are used to controlling the message. Yeah. Right? It's their culture. It's their way. They control the message that comes out. It is what it is. New England. I was in New England this year for the hurricane. Mm-hmm. Um, like when we had, uh, yeah. we, we, yeah. we, we, hurricane we, Irma we were out here. Everybody, we were like, everybody got out. Yeah. I, was, I was going, I stayed with my, my, they were Long Meadow Mass. We were up in Long Meadow and I was riding around and I've never heard uh, a sports radio like, um, you know, AM station, all of them so like Homerish. You know, like everything was Pats. If it was anti-Pats, it was wrong. If it was like it was so conservative, so Patriots, Celtics, Red Sox centric, like it was, it was, it was unnerving almost. Like I was like, am I like am I Mayberry? What is going on here? And so I think that's what they're used to. And so you know, I think that they thought they were just going to be able to come out here, throw Malcolm Butler under the bus, throw a couple of things out there, and he was going to kind of sit back and be like, you know. Okay, it is what it is. Let's move on. I, I'm always for players having voices. Yeah. I'm always, I wish that I had had the opportunity to do that in some of the situations I was in. You know, when I was, you know, cast in a certain role from, from the organization or from the fan base and I could just step up and say, Hey, look, it's not like you think it was. This is actually how it went down. So I'm always for that. I think, I think it was Belichick being cute. I really do. I think he felt like, Hey, I'm the best coach ever. I can, I can put in another player. Those players are pawns. I can just plug in another guy and we'll yeah. be fine. I think he got a little bit cocky. Yeah. I, I think he did. Uh, Tom Brady made no bones about it, who he was supportive of. He posted on, on Instagram, love you, Malcolm. You are an incredible teammate, player, and friend always. Uh, most of the players seem like they're on the side of Malcolm Butler. I, I do. And again, I think that might have had a lasting impact during the game. When you lose one of your guys, you find out two or three hours before the game, wait, what's going on? He's not playing. Why? Why, why, why would he no do question. that? I think that absolutely had an impact on the team. All right. It is what used to be one of the biggest days of the year in college football. Now I'm explaining why. Cause it is national signing day and you're like, wait, why isn't it this year? Because this is the first time we've had two signing days. We had an earlier one in December. This is the second one. I think when the first signing day was announced, everybody wasn't sure what would happen. 80% of the ESPN top 300 players have already signed. They've already committed. They've already signed their letter of intent. So there aren't that many impactful players that are still left on the table. Uh, but it still is a big deal. There are still all Patrick Sertan, uh, father played for the, sure. um, the Dolphins. Dolphins for a long time, long time NFL Heritage. player. Yeah. He's choosing between Alabama and LSU. So there are a lot of. I think they're... Miami's in the mix too. Send out a message late in the day. Uh, so I think, I think it's, it's, 
it's diluted a little bit. It's yeah. down. It's not as exciting as it used to be. Um, but for some teams making a late push, I think it could be important. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, look, for a team like Florida State, let's say, who's 50, yeah. Willie got the job. Yep. And, you know, they've creeped up in, in, into the, where are they, top 20 now? They're number yeah. 14. You know, you still a couple, there are nine top 50s left out there on the board. You get a couple of those and you've really solidified, uh, your future and your, and your reputation as a recruiter. Um, I mean, he's still got to go in there and do the job as the head coach, but that goes a long way for an FSU program. Uh, you know, more importantly, dude, like, I know as a media and as fans and stuff, it, it's diluted, but it's the kids' day. Yeah. You know, and those kids, they don't care that, that they're two signing days. They just want their moment with their family at their high school, um, to reveal their choice. And it's a cool day. Uh, you know, I don't know that if I were, if I were a player, I'd, I'd have a big deal like that. I just wasn't, I wasn't that guy. Like, right. I just wanted to go about my business and I'll go to this school and so on and so forth. But I wasn't a top 50 recruit either. Right. Um, so. I don't know, but that's what it's about. It's about the kids and their day, and so I don't. I think eventually, I don't know why we have two. Like I think eventually we'll go to the first date, the date in December. I think yeah. it'll just that'll be the date. Why not? Here's here's my thing. Why why not just have it start signing season start December whatever the date was and let it run through and just let it go. And, and whenever you want to sign, you can sign. So if you are that guy, you want to have a big announcement. It's the big parade, you know, whatever. It's the big ESPN day. It's our day when sure. we put everything across. And it's, hey, you can have your press conference, do it on that day. And if you're not ready, you can wait. You can wait a couple weeks. You can go a little bit longer and just open it up. Like, cause I've never, I've never, I don't know why there has to be a dead period and then we can open it back up and now they can sign. I, I don't know either other than to say like the NCAA, I mean, a lot of this stuff is just the way it has been for so long. Exactly. Like, people are like, it's the way it's gotta be. I, I, what do you I, think if there was just a signing period that opened up before the player's senior season? Because there is a lot of verbal commitments, which mean nothing. Right. They mean absolutely nothing. And they're not binding as far – when I say that, because the players decommit, they change their mind. But the schools, they change their mind too. Sure. Like there is a player that might think, hey, I can go to Florida State. I can go to Florida. And you lose and that he, option. Exactly. And they say, you know what? We found somebody else we like better. Let's go there. I mean, I don't I, – Do you think it would play – because the biggest complaint I've heard about that is that it would prohibit high school coaches from being able to really coach their guy and they might lose – their player for that senior year because they've already got the commitment locked in stone. Yeah, I think once that happens, you you do have to worry about whether or not a player might shut you it can down. influence a kid or even get him to go out there and suit up. Right, you right. guys doing like the old "I'm not playing in a bowl game to protect my future" type of thing. But you know, I, I as long as you're giving players an opportunity, because one circumstance that happened to me was like I I, I signed I I didn't sign, but I agreed to go to Boston University, and then I had a great senior season. Um, I played really well and I had some, some heavy had, hitters come in, some right? Better offers. Yeah, some better offers, but I was, I was loyal to BU. Right. Like I wanted to go to BU. Then they fired their coach. Yeah. And so a new regime came in. And so as long as you're giving the players flexibility, if they sign early, um, to make a move, if the regime changes, then I'm cool because I always, look, you, everyone should know now I'm player centric, but especially with the babies, especially with, with college kids, because that decision, that relationship with that head coach, that university is, is going to, probably you know be the biggest decision of their life and they're going to have to 
you know, live or die with the with the effects of that. So if you don't love what you're getting into, allow them to change their minds. Yeah, big day. Ohio State, number one, currently Georgia up there, two, Texas, three, Penn State, four, Miami coming in at five. Yeah. The big question people are watching is Bama, can they make a move? They've been six years in a row. It does matter for because I don't like watching it. I don't get into it. But if you look at the past seven national champions, they've all been teams that have had really solid top five recruiting classes. So it does, and it's accumulation of talent that you have to have if you want your team to run uh, to win a national championship. I did have a big signing day, yeah, but not as big as they yeah. are now because they they weren't. It wasn't as big a deal. They didn't have them on TV. Sure, but I, it was a memorable day. Like my family was there, but I had a press conference. Yeah, the Sun Sentinel. I, yeah, the yeah. Sun Sentinel Miami Herald. I had a press conference at the Olive Garden. Oh wow! <laughs> in, the, in a back room, private room, and me and Henry Crockett, who went to Ely, Henry one of my boys. Like we 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 had it together. We announced signed together to Florida yeah. State and had the press conference. That's big deal, cool. huge uh, deal. So and then I was sticks. back in class. You know, yeah. So unlimited. So yeah. many bread Salad, salad, salad. Yeah. With a little Alfredo sauce to dip it in. That was so good. violation. <laughs> no, accepting I mean, the free breadsticks. <laughs> that might have been, actually. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll uh, keep an eye on that all day. As, uh, 24-7 rankings will be released. The new ones will be released. You can check out their website all day long. All right, Hannah Ostapchuk. With, uh, have, somebody hit us up on Twitter and called mm-hmm. you Hannah Ochapstick. Have oh, you heard that one? I'm I've sure heard you've heard so that many, one a lot. Like, I Have hear, you heard that one? No, I haven't heard Ochapstick before. Really? Yeah, so I'm happy that is now around, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. Also, I hear oh, Snapchat a lot. Ooh, that's a, that one's one you yeah. couldn't have heard five right, years I, ago. Exactly. <laughs> that's so pretty strong. hopefully that one doesn't stick like the chapstick. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. All right. So what do we got? Here's right. what's happening. So, Danny, you teased this one off the top, but here's the news. So the worst possible news and outcome confirmed for Kristaps Porzingis and the New York Knicks. It's a torn ACL for the All-Star after landing on Giannis Antetokounmpo's ankle following a dunk on Tuesday night. New York currently 11th in the East. This is definitely a shot at any playoff chances. Rehab for the Zinger could stretch into next season. I just can't get right, boss. The Knicks just can't get right. I feel terrible. Um, all of my in-laws are big Knicks fans. I've had this argument with them before, although I think Chris Stapps is amazing. There's something to be said for a dude who's always hurt and for what that means for his future and the longevity of his playing career, and I have my concerns about Chris Stapps. You make a dude like that the face of your franchise, and you're going to live or die with how he plays and carries you. You better make sure he's a sturdy individual. And as great as he is as a player, I don't know that he's a sturdy individual. You said something before on this podcast. And do you think, cause I, I totally agree with you. Is it got, is it seven footers? Like are they more susceptible than others or is it just the player? I, I think it's, I think it's the play. I think it's a little bit of both, right? Like I think seven footers, um, particularly when they move the way these guys move now, mm-hmm. like that body, that's a lot of stress on those joints, a lot of stress on that body. They're more susceptible because they're more like plays like the one he had where he's driving and dunking and their feet underneath him. But I also think that that guys in general can just be fragile or be injury prone. Like I, Kevin Love, mm-hmm. like Kevin Love is an injury prone dude. Mm-hmm. He's brittle. Right. Um, and so I worry about that with Chris Tapps. Yeah. Well, the Greek freak unknowingly causing more trouble yesterday as the Lakers were fined $50,000 by the NBA for violating the league's anti-tampering rule. That's because team president Magic Johnson praised Giannis in a recent interview with ESPN, saying he thinks he could lead the Bucks to a championship one day. It's so dumb. It really is dumb. And what are you supposed to say? Right, said, right, exactly. He said lots of good things. Right. Uh, that's just, it's a dumb rule. It's a slap on the wrist. I do think it is somewhat of Magic being new to the game and not realizing what he can and can't say. But fifty grand—it's dumb. It's a really dumb rule. I, yeah, I, I mean, 
Right. It's, I don't even have a comment on that. It's <laughs> ridiculous. All right, so this time Russell Westbrook got the best of Kevin Durant, and the Thunder got the best of the Warriors. OKC won 25 to 105 winners on Tuesday. Russ with 34, 9, and 9. KD with 33. But a team worst, minus 17, plus minus. Draymond Green was ejected after a pair of techs. Now has 13 on the season, which is just three away from a one-game suspension. Um, he will wind up getting suspended because I don't think he can control himself. Last night was over the top with Lauren Holkamp. I... You know how I feel about the refs, but last <laughs> night, Dray- no, Draymond was out of his mind. He couldn't be controlled. Um, I think that the, the Warriors are either one and four or one and five against against the the Rockets and OKC this year in the Western Conference. Um, that's not good. That's not good. I mean, and I, and I obviously it's not good, but it's not good to have that hanging in the back of your mind, right? To have that in your in 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 your memory bank going into the playoffs, and those be probably your two biggest your two biggest rivals there in the Western Conference for for a team that's used to having their way with everybody to start to get a feeling that you can't get over the hump against a certain team is certainly is certainly not a good look for them. I'd be concerned just a little bit, probably more about Houston than I am about OKC, but concerned nonetheless. And we're going to get to the Cavs, but in what could actually be an Eastern Conference Finals preview, the Raptors take down the Celtics 111-91. to Kyrie Irving drops 17 after a three-game absence, but Toronto improves to 22-4 and at home, the best mark in the NBA. When we all, when I was asking what's your confidence level on the Cavs, and we've been declining every single yeah. week, my thing is always, well, who's going to step up and win this Eastern Conference? And that's the hardest thing for me to determine, because for a while I love Boston, then all of a sudden they're struggling a little bit lately. Is it Toronto? They've been up and down historically when they get to the playoffs, like, I don't. I don't know what team is going to knock them from their perch. Yeah, Toronto's played them tough. Yeah, um, they they played them tough, but I that's that's the that's the big question. Dan. I don't know that anyone can. You know my confidence level with the Cavs now, but yeah. somebody's <laughs> got to step up and take. It. And lastly, guys, we couldn't go an episode without drama in Cleveland. Well, Orlando last night, so the Cavs blew a twenty-one point lead and ended up losing by eighteen. To the Magic post game, more of a focus though on LeBron as he said, "I'm here for the long haul. I would never waive my no trade clause." The trade deadline is on Thursday. Um, don't uh, like he reminds me of like the band on the deck of the Titanic when it was going down. <laughs> <laughs> like he's just gonna keep playing, bro. Like oh, I'm just gonna keep playing until this thing's. That's a mess. They all died. That's yeah. an absolute just mess. <laughs> it's just a mess. All right. Well, the NBA trade deadline is uh, tomorrow, three o'clock Thursday. There are kind of the usual suspects. Kemba Walker has been bantered about for a while. George Hill is another one. Marcus Smart, Rodney Hood, Julius Randle, Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance, Aaron Gordon, Isaiah Thomas, even potentially, maybe, uh, moved from the Cavs. Uh, DeAndre Jordan, Lou Williams are, are talking in extension talks with the Clippers. I don't think we'll see anything bigger than the Blake Griffin to Detroit deal that we saw. But if you're the Cavs, if you're that team, what are you looking to do? I'm not sure at this point. That I have the confidence, having watched us for the last, I don't know, two, three weeks has it been since they've been on this slide? Since Christmas. Since Christmas. I'm not sure if I'm management that I have the confidence to go out and spend what it would take to bring in a piece that if we were playing great, I would think could get us over the hump. Because we're playing, we're, we're in a really, really bad spot and I don't know if anything out there at this point gets us over the hump. And over the hump means winning a championship. Not not just getting back to the finals for me. That's not the bar. The bar is winning it. And so I don't know that I would go out and liquidate Brooklyn picks and mortgage my future because I'm not sure, having watched us play for the last three, four weeks, that anything out there on the market 
in any way, shape, or form is getting us over the hump. So I don't know that there is a move to be made in, in Cleveland. Would you move on from Isaiah Thomas and say, look, yep. it's been a failure? I think I would too. I don't like, like what, what, like, yes, why not? It's, and more importantly, as bad as it's looked on the court as a bad fit, when you hear his comments and you see his interaction with the team, it looks like it's just not working. It looks like there is not, there, there is just a vibe there that is, it's a, it's a, it's a clash of heads, yeah. which if you don't bow down to LeBron, it's not going to work. Like he's got, he's the, he's the goat. He's the guy calling the shots. He's the alpha male in that locker room. If you don't kind of cater to his ways, like Dwayne Wade did when he was in Miami and gave him the keys and said he was giving them to him. Right. And I don't think Isaiah is willing to do that. And good for Isaiah for not. Most guys think they can be one A and one B with LeBron. It yeah. doesn't, it doesn't work like that. Right. It's, it's A and then you can be B, but it, it takes being there. Even in when you're talking to him, probably, and this is just speculation because I haven't played with him, but I've watched these relationships unfold. You could probably, in in conversation, be led to believe that on the court it is going to be one A and one B mm-hmm. until you realize how ball dominant he is. And it's a like I'm not saying it in a bad way. He's just a fantastic player, and he needs the ball to make things happen. So it puts you in a weird spot once you realize, okay, I'm not one a one B. I am clearly number two in line here. So. Um, that, if the Cavs, if the Cavs, so there's, so there's reports that they could unload Tristan Thompson and J.R. Smith. Oh, okay. Yeah. If they did, like this basically boils down to how great is LeBron? Can he carry that team without Tristan and J.R. Smith? Yeah. To the, to the sure. finals? Sure. He yes. could. Yes. Basically, absolutely. you could put him on any roster. Absolutely. In the Eastern Conference and he could take them to it, the finals. Absolutely. I don't believe that the player that we're seeing now that's struggling, um, is, is like it, that he's lost that skill set that he had earlier in the season when we were talking about an MVP caliber year quite possibly the best year he's had statistically and 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 from a field goal percentage perspective like he hasn't just lost it over the last five weeks I don't believe that um having said that I again it's not just LeBron like is it that much of a mess in Cleveland right now that 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 whatever you bring in there LeBron could be phenomenal he's going to get you there probably but if you're not going to beat Golden State like what's what's that's the thing though this might be the last year that the Cavaliers have still the best player in the world. So don't you kind of have to go for yes. it all? Isn't, yeah. isn't LeBron and whatever you add better than Brooklyn's eighth pick? That that pick's not going right. to turn around the franchise. No, I, I mean, it could be it could creep into the top three, a 9% chance at this point to creep into the top three. But don't you kind of have to go for it? I Yes. If you if you told me, and here's here, if Cavs were playing okay basketball, and I didn't think that locker room was toxic, and I'm watching it as a general manager saying, hey, we, yeah, dude, I would give up the number eight potentially, you know, potential pick in the draft. And that's the other part, right? That Brooklyn pick isn't looking as great as they thought it was going to look up front. But yeah, I would, because I would, you're correct. Like the best that we could hope for in, in a pick like that would be some version of LeBron uh, down the road, like not LeBron, because there's not going to be another one. And so, yeah, I would do that, but it's so toxic right now. And I don't know that LeBron stays around, and you're not going to win it this year. I don't care what you do; they're not winning the championship. I'm out. I just it's wonder. I happening. just wonder if we're sitting here in June and they're contending for the finals again, and it's a, it's a, it's just another year. But it does because they've had drama. They could very year. easily do that. <laughs> right, like they could. Right. I, I, I'm I'm one of the biggest proponents of like uh, of LeBron being good enough. To win the East, like I take that stance. Right. I don't know who out there is going to beat them. Right. My confidence level is low, but I still think they get it done. But Check. do you beat Golden State? Checking sportsbook this morning, our, our site. Yeah. For the first time, 
the Celtics and Cavaliers are tied in Whoa. terms of odds to win the Eastern Conference. And so that's know. a big change from Absolutely. our show on Monday. Absolutely, it is. Most of the time, teams say, "Up, oh, let's, let's nod to LeBron. He's going to take them to the finals." But uh, some doubts starting to creep in. All right, I got another one for you. Scale yeah. of one to ten. Because you said something about the Warriors. Not good. One and four versus Rockets and who else was it? Thunder. Thunder. That was right. One and four. One and four. Confidence level that they win the championship. One to ten. Seven. Really? Yeah. (laughs) I do. Interesting. Whoever comes out of that West is going to win it. All right, it's so what, what revelation, should, but so should they be making moves right now with the trade deadline? No. Should they add a piece? They don't need no, to. I, I think they could find an, a, like a, a fringe player for yeah. bench. They, yeah, yeah, sure. Let's get some depth. Um, yeah, they, they could always use um, pieces that can either make plays um, or or just really shoot the ball. And guys that are savvy know how to play. Not any young like you know young guy. You're talking about vets who 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 are seasoned, have been in in championship type of environments. They can they can really either a create. For themselves or others, or B, shoot the skin off the ball. One of those two, you could be looking to pick up. But I, the Rockets, I believe, stylistically, like Mike D'Antoni hasn't gotten over the hump in the playoffs yet, but the style they play is is uh, going to always give them a chance against a Golden State team because they're going to want up and get want to get up and down. And that Oklahoma City Thunder team has they got they got a little bit of they got that number out there a little yeah. bit. So. You Seven. were you were traded twice yes. in your career. What was Sucked. that? What, did you know? Like, what was the vibe in the locker? Did your did your agent was you were you in conversation with him saying, "Hey, this might happen"? Or no. were you blindsided? How'd that go down? I was blindsided. Um, so, generally speaking, when I was a younger player and I didn't play a whole lot, you always get really nervous around trade deadline. Yeah, like you just you're looking at it, you're watching. <laughs> Sometimes you had a non guaranteed, like, and there was a date like January 1st or February 1st, and you'd be kind of getting nervous around that to make sure your guarantee went down. Um, and it can be really distracting because, like, you know, it's your livelihood. You want to make yeah. sure you, you know, you get past a certain day so you can, so you can relax and everything. But, um, were you married when these went down? The when trades traded, themselves? Yeah. Yes, I was. And my wife had just, when I got traded in Phoenix, I should have seen it coming because Terry Porter had gotten the job. I was a Mike D'Antoni guy. I never did well with change in a locker room with coaches, like historically. When it changed, I, I, I struggled with that. And so, um, you know, I, Terry Porter and I didn't see, I, I, none of the players did, but I, I was kind of the, 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 I'm always the mouthpiece of stuff. Like I've learned, like, don't, don't champion the cause, right? Like be right. part of the, the posse behind it, but don't be out in front as the mouthpiece of it. Cause no one really wants to hear that. But, um, my wife had just given birth to my second son and we had just opened a business in Phoenix. And I was in L.A. to play the Lakers, and I get a phone call from one of my buddies from the CBA saying that I got traded. I was like, nah, dog, you got that wrong. Like, I'm about to get on the bus to go to the to Staples. He was like, well, I just talked to Jason Richardson's, you know, wife. We grew up together, and I'm pretty sure you got traded for him. I was like, what the F? So I, I, I was like, huh? So I got on the phone with my agent, who had no idea either. And, yeah, we had just gotten traded to to – to Charlotte um, for Jay Rich, Dudley, myself, Boris Diaw, and Sean Singletary, I think. So that was big because, you know, I needed to go home. And I was like, look, give me two days. Let me go back yeah. to Phoenix, get my wife situated. Like, she's got a, a newborn. Yeah. Let me get her situated. They were like, yeah, you got 24 hours to get Charlotte. <laughs> right. <laughs> See, but I think that's what people don't understand. Yeah. That's why I think it is kind of – that's why it would be extremely helpful to be married because you have a spouse in there that can help you find a place. Like, yeah. you have to find a place to live. So would you live in a hotel for a while? So I lived in a hotel for a month. Yeah. Um, we had just bought a new house, too, in Phoenix. Oh. So, like, our dream home. So yeah. I left her there to shut all of that down with the two babies. Um, 
the, I'm sure it was fun for her. The business failed. <laughs> like it was, it was just a catastrophe. Um, and so then I went house hunting every day after practice. Yeah. And found something that I could, that, that we could move into in, in Charlotte. The and, NFL trade deadline, it's not even, it's, I don't even know if most players don't even know it's coming because it's such, you don't see trades made during the season. Right. Most of the moves that are made in the NFL are offseason moves. And those are, you know, a little bit surprising, but for the most part, guys are like, you either get cut or you're a free agent, you sign yeah. somewhere else. There aren't really big, trades where there are moves that are made it's tough in the season it's and, tough. and both times raja was traded wasn't at the trade deadline one in december one oh, so in november the, so yeah. it was kind of out of the blue right yeah no no the, yeah november that's when ty was born yeah november and december was a weird one i got traded for steven jackson it was a good move from charlotte but it started because i i, I had to have my wrist operated on like yeah. in my opinion and so you know, I wasn't going to play, so they moved me. That one wasn't bad because I just stayed in Charlotte, did my rehab, played golf. And then I went out to Golden State. I played one game, um, got to hang out with those guys, Steph Curry and the like, for for a couple months before uh, before the end of the season. So that was, it was cool. It didn't bother me as much as the one from Phoenix because that was my family. Yeah, know? yeah. It's always harder when you start bringing in family too. All right. Wednesday means – Top five. I'm not sure how I feel about this segment that we do here. Debo has forced this on us. But top five moments, sports memories from your career. Okay. You want me to go? Or you, uh, go? you go. You go. No, you, you go. go I'm going to do my list. All right. Go, so go, I don't go, have go. a list. I'm just right. going off the top of my head. <laughs> Number one for me is uh, the choke it doke. It's we were down 31-3. Mm. All, every Florida State fan, that's all the first thing they always say to me is either at the game or I'll never forget that one. Second would be. National championship winning, even though I wasn't, uh, the starter, I was backing up Charlie Ward. Yep. I held the kick that won it. So we, you okay. know, I was there on the, you know, celebrating the thick of things. Me and Scott Bentley, who are our kicker, actually gave Coach Bowden the Gatorade bath. Like we grabbed the cooler and, and drenched him with it. Yeah. The crazy thing about it was, is we almost became the two biggest goats, like, and not greatest of all time, but like blunders of all time. Because we gave, we wanted to do it just to get exposure. Like, hey, they'll put us on TV. Like, this will be great. We're going to be the guys that do it. There was, so we went and gave them the Gatorade bath. And then there was more time. They put back, there was like a penalty or something on the field. So there was another play in the game. And Nebraska actually got a long field goal. And it wasn't that crazy. It was like a 53-yarder. Right. If they would have made it, we would have lost. And oh. then we would have been the guys that gave them the Gatorade you shower. You wouldn't be sitting too, here with me. Too early, yeah. <laughs> uh, the third greatest moment was probably, there was a game with the Giants when I was the, uh, when I started, and we clinched the playoffs. It was against the Redskins, and, I, and my my roommate at the time was Jason Seahorn. He had a pick six. It was just it was like a celebratory game. Like we locked up our spot, and the home crowd was there. They were like going nuts. Kind of that feeling of we made it. Right. Um, fourth for me, I'll go to. So these are two non that I did not plan. Okay. So do you remember the Super Bowl when Whitney Houston sang the national anthem? Tampa, uh, it was in Tampa. It was the Bills Giants. It was the wide right when the Giants won the Super Bowl. I was there. That was one like that for me. That's a top five sports member. Just being a part of that. I remember the helicopters were like security posted and they just hovered in the end zone the whole time. But grown men were crying like our boy Debo was yep. when the Eagles won the that's... Super Bowl. And if you haven't checked it out, make sure you check out. Give me your Instagram handle. We should just post it on Canel and Bell. Yeah, we should post it on Twitter. We'll post it on at Canel and That was really emotional. Everybody, there wasn't a dry eye in the DeBerardinas household, right? There wasn't a dry eye in there. It was pretty cool, though. Uh, and then lastly, for me, another sports moment where I was, when uh, the Yankees were playing the World Series and George Bush threw out the first pitch, I was at that game, too. And that was... Like one of the most, two of the most patriotic moments in sports history. Right. And he put, put the, fired it right down there. It was in New York after 9-11. People were nuts. Like that was the most emotional I've ever been in a game. 
Very so you cool. know what's not a top five for me? It might be a worse five, which <laughs> was draft day. Because I, I was hoping to go, you know, anywhere in the first couple rounds. And the, it used to be the top, the first three rounds were the first day. And then you went all night to the second day. See, now it's they break it up over longer. So I thought I was going to get picked. And I was like, worst case, I'll get third round. Did not get picked. That was the longest night of my oh. life because I had to wait another day. Where'd you man, go? When'd you go? Fourth round. Like fourth so, round. I, thankfully, I went kind of early right. in that one. But it was uh, it was a disaster. Oh man, let's see. I don't know if I could top that. You got some patriotic. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. A my, little bit of everything. Yeah, but you have a lot more successful moments. All right. So uh, <laughs> can I go with like I'm going to go with my top five, but my I'm going to slide a sixth in there. Yeah, for right, sure. Right. This I like was, it. Bonus. This one, and you you were associated with this. It was your freshman year, I believe. UMFSU. At oh, University geez. of Miami, Tamaric Vanover takes the opening oh, kickback. Oh man, you were you were was it hundred was it a hundred yards, yes, like ninety eight yes. yards or something like that? Silence the Orange Bowl crowd. To the house, yeah. like we're, we were stunned, and then uh, who was it? Michael Barrow, let's yes. lead him out later. Oh, in the game that picture is on every. Him. Yes, he's Tamaric Vanover sideways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that, that was place was nuts. Awesome. That was a wide right number one, what, which right I held one. that kick. Did you really? Yeah, the laces, laces were out. out. It wasn't my fault. It wasn't my fault. So that was fantastic as a young fella to be at that. <laughs> so number five would be, um, let's see, 2000 uh, CBA championship game with the Yakima Sun Kings. Nice. Yeah, it was a really cool game. Um, they love basketball out there in, in, the, in the Yakima Valley, and we brought a championship there. So that was cool. Was that like Did a you, best of five, best of three? No. Just one, one game one, championship? Isaiah had come in. One the game money was winner takes low, all. So it was winner take all, baby. Wow. One, Did you get a ring? Changed. Yeah, we got a ring. Nice. Uh, we, I got my eyes were burning with that champagne. I wish they had had the goggles back then, <laughs> yeah. but um, that wasn't in the budget. It was really cool. <laughs> Wild night. Um, number four, 1999 FIU beats Michigan. It was my senior year. We had played Michigan the year before. You know, get that money. We had to go up there and be the sacrificial lamb. Uh, but they came to our house the next year, thinking it was going to be a vacation to start the season. And it's the biggest crowd in FIU history, and we waxed that ass. <laughs> <laughs> nice. We, we put it on them, something fierce. Um, number three would be game six. First round, um, Suns-Lakers. I was suspended for the game. We were down 1-3. Um, I got suspended, so I watched from a bar on Rodeo Drive. Um, and I was now, are the, people realizing who you are at no, the time? No, <laughs> no. So I go into the bathroom, and there's a dude in there talking to some other dude about this punk-ass Raja Bell and what he would, <laughs> what he would do to him. And, yeah, he, he cost his team the series – and I'm standing behind him waiting to wash my hands. And he turns around, and he looks like he saw a ghost. <laughs> and so it, it was fantastic. Did but you say anything? Really didn't I, I didn't say it? anything to him. I just uh. chuckled. I went back, and I was with my publicist. We sat at the bar and watched it. But I met them back on the runway uh, when they got off the plane. And, like, I, I think there's footage of it somewhere, me just going bananas, welcoming the team back. But I didn't play in the game, but it was phenomenal. Um, number two would be the first NBA Finals game of my life, the 2001 NBA Finals. We went into overtime in Staples again. Um and I hit a little funky flip shot over Shaq. Like, I, my eyes were closed probably. I didn't even see it, but we won the game. Uh, and then the best moment in my sporting career would be the Eastern Conference Finals, Game 7, 2001. I had never played real significant minutes in a meaningful NBA game. And, like, somebody was with me that day because I think I had, like, seven quick points that sparked the run. Um, and that was just – 
my whole family was in attendance. It was in Philly where I've got a lot of family from that are that are Eagles fans too, and my grandparents were in the building, and it couldn't have been scripted any better. Nice. Uh, to your thing, to your story, when you ran into the guy in the bar, yeah. he didn't know who you were. My One of my dad's favorite things to do, ever since I was little – like he'd like to try to embarrass me. Yeah. Like when I was when I was little, I was tall for my age, and so we'd get on an elevator hotel, and somebody would hop on and be like, "Hey, how old do you think this kid is?" Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "Dad, why are you doing this?" And they would always guess like older than I was. Right. When I was in the Giants, first year I started, my parents would come up to New York for games, and we'd be riding around in a cab, and my dad would always talk to the taxi driver and be like, "Hey, you a Giants fan?" And he'd be like, "What do you think of their quarterback, their new guy?" And I'm like, and would always do this, and then the guy would always be like, "Oh, he's good or something." Right. But then thankfully, my dad stopped doing it when I was awful. Yeah, yeah, that could yeah. have been real bad. I was like, he's garbage. Get him out of there. Bench him. Um, so, yeah, that was my dad loved to do that and embarrass me. All right. What uh, what do we got for topics today? All right. So another post-Super Bowl edition. Raja Ooh. and Danny have both talked about teachable moments for their kids. Yeah. Right. So in a throwback, I ask if Giselle Bunchen is softer than Strasburg. So if you <laughs> forgot the Patriots and Tom Brady lost, well, his wife Giselle apparently told their kids after the game, daddy won five times. They never won before, referring to the Eagles. Their whole life, they never won a Super Bowl. You have to let someone else win sometimes. We have to share. Sharing <laughs> is caring. Is Giselle softer than Strasburg? That's awful parenting advice. That's Terrible. crazy. Right? That's like what your kids would say. Savage. That's, that's <laughs> savage. <laughs> no, wait. That's, that's, that's anti-savage. Yeah, that's anti-savage. That, what? Listen, really? yeah. not sharing. Sharing no. is caring when it comes to like a, a, a popsicle or yeah. a, a, a say, ring daddy, pop. Daddy's not getting any tonight because right. he didn't win. That's the message she needs to I send. Guess daddy right. can't throw no. it and catch it too. Yeah, you need to teach him about, hey, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Remember this feeling. It sucks. Correct. Like That's the message you want to send. To them. Right. This is what drives you. This is why you have to spend extra time in the weight room, in the film room. Yes. You, you gotta, you gotta use that this. moment. Yes. Yeah, that was a failed so, opportunity. Softer than Strasburg? Yes, softer than Strasburg. Alright, this, very cool to hear, but also something you have to see on our Twitter page at Canel and Bell. So we called Doug Peterson all sorts of gutsy words for his fourth down play call that resulted in a Nick Foles touchdown catch. But Nick Foles actually suggested what they're calling the best play in Philadelphia sports history. Take a listen to this. We're going for it right here. We're going for it right here. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Here we go. Hold on, hold on. So Doug just looks at him. It's called Philly Philly or the Philly Special. Yep. And Doug basically just says, F it. Let's do it. Right. So So sweet. Does this change the perception at all? Does it elevate Foles' like legendary status even more? It does, but here's what's kind of crazy about it. Because he's getting credit for like this – and and he should. It was a great call. But it's kind of like the receiver – or the running back that wants to call a trick play. Like, every player is going to ask for the trick play. Like, you always okay. want to run it. And I think he just was like, let's do it. Why not? Like, let's run the trick play. Yeah. Like, every quarterback that has a chance to make a catch like that is going to call for it. You're going to ask for that trick play every single time. Yeah. And I love the fact that Peter – I love – this is the thing I think that – and we talked about this leading up to the game. Doug Peterson believed in Nick Foles, and I think Foles be- – ha- felt and fed off that belief in yes, him and that showed right there like yeah you want to run it let's run it like great coaches trust their players i love spot. it on all fronts and it's purely like it's all about the result like if you're going to ask for philly philly catch the damn ball yeah you know what i mean and they like, executed and he, it perfectly it. it's good stuff Corey clement said on jimmy kimmel live that they only practiced that play three times yeah probably executed it well yeah Another Philadelphia quarterback, so two rings in two days for Carson Wentz. Super Bowl champion, and now he's engaged as Wentz proposed to his longtime girlfriend after a few hectic days in his life. 
There's more to come with that with a parade on Thursday. We're just glad this wasn't an on-field proposal, right, Hannah? Yes, I was going to say that. I was so happy that he did this later, like days later, hours later, I guess you'd say, because Day anything after. that happens on the field is so cringeworthy. And it makes you wonder if you're just caught up in the moment. Like, if, yeah. you better have some time to think about this. I think there's on-field proposals and any – Public one, like at like the stadium, jumbo yes, yes, jumbotron. Oh my god, though, stadium. I would say no. Right, I would be like, check yourself. <laughs> really? Yes, a, a jumbotron you know, you proposal. I feel like you're Hold obligated. On, you didn't do it at stadium, nope. did you? I, help, help. <laughs> right, I right, feel good. like you're obligated though. If we're on camera, yeah, like, why can't you, you settle just, it later? Just say yes, and yeah. we'll get. We'll go. That's true. Yeah. That's true. I'd Please. be like, I'd be like, listen. Here, take this ring back. <laughs> I need you to take a lap. Yes. Do some thinking. All right, dudes, pay attention. Carson Wentz better worry about his job. You better be Come worried on, about his Raja. job. Come Carson on. Carson Wentz better be worried about his job. All right, the last topic here before maybe we have a little bit of fun. You guys had a much higher opinion of Justin Timberlake than I think the rest of the internet on Monday's podcast, but you still were a little skeptical of his hometown tribute to Prince. So could we see a hometown tribute at next year's Super Bowl, Super Bowl 53? is in Atlanta, and former halftime performer Bruno Mars thinks Atlanta music should be honored and the hip-hop scene should be honored, tweeting at NFL, Outkast, T.I., Gucci, Lil Jon, Jeezy, Jermaine Dupri, uh, to DeBrat, name a few. Brat, get her out there. Uh, Why Bow not? Wow. You don't like it. It would be the best party TV I've ever seen. That's what Bruno said. Any shot at this? Uh, no. Nope. Why not? Because the NFL, with all that's going on now, <laughs> they are not bringing out hip-hop as their halftime entertainment. You don't like, think so? Nope. How about as like a side act? I would love it. Yeah, like I would. I, love I thought that's the, what I you were saying. Chance. I not, think there's a chance. I think there's a chance. They're not doing it. Nope. I think they might. I think they have Luda. Get Luda up there. Does he yeah. count? Yeah, like, he's you know, Atlanta, he's, isn't I, he? Yeah, but I he's feel too, like, like pop now. Yeah, he's such yeah, a see, like all around why, good guy. Well, like, well, he's, what do we look? What's the NFL looking for? No, seriously, I feel like Ludacris would be an option. He does songs with Justin Bieber. Like, is Outkast? Are they talking though now? Are Andre three thousand and Big Boy? Are they on good terms? Because then they have a huge falling out. Flip flops and socks, sweatpants. Wait, can we go back a second? Why did everyone hate on Justin Timberlake's performance? I'm just saying what I saw on my timeline and a lot of articles. No, I agree. I saw this too. There was he got so much flack for it and i don't are understand he's not all of that. i know from mine my perspective i wonder if i'm getting old but you guys are younger and you liked it because i was wondering because it it. twitter is definitely young like it's young and it's the kind of the like everybody kind of caters to the same thing i don't know i don't know maybe they People look just at love Justin to hate Timberlake on it too old. i didn't see it maybe good. it's well how about this you one i don't feel like good? you can be objective you didn't here. think it was good you didn't, i didn't see it Oh, no. you didn't see it i was a little preoccupied do you think it's the fact that people have you heard people don't like his new album yeah, I was actually – I was just talking to Brady Quinn about this yesterday. Do you he like said it? that he doesn't like it. I'm mixed on it. I think there are a couple good songs, but as a whole – but I never liked I the entire it. album. I it's thought the whole album was brilliant. I love it. I still listen to it. I was writing to it the other day. Well, I it's, it's only great. been a week. So I think it's great. Listen, he could do no wrong. All right. What, what's the surprise topic today? Hannah, you want to take this? What do we got? No, no. You. I want to hear you take this. Right. We just we, – it's Stormy. Oh. The, the name is here. Um, what is Stormy? Is like the, you <laughs> set, set the scene. Um, I don't even know how to set the scene. Kylie Jenner. Oh, jeez. The youngest of the Kardashian clan. Yeah. I'm out. Oh, yeah, we're not doing that. I'm out. Shut it down. I'm out. This wasn't my idea to talk right, about this. Rate and review okay? us on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> her Dude, name. I'm trying to close it up. Her baby's name is Stormy 
Daniels. Spelled with an I. <laughs> no, it's, that's what it makes me think of. Is it, it really spelled this Stormy way Daniels. too? Spelled with an I? Yes, it's spelled with an I. Uh, she'll be on a poll before long. Stormy Daniels. <laughs> <She's> gonna, <laughs> I mean, oh that's setting her up. That is setting her up for her future at the strip club. That's what it's doing. Stormy Daniels when you give to the somebody a name stage, like that, that's where they're going to be. I saw the funniest thing on Twitter. Someone said the Kardashian-Jenner family just became a full-fledged weather forecast. It's very stormy <laughs> in North Chicago with a, with a chance of rain. Yeah, Jeez, with winds out of the west. Um, <laughs> we, I got a bonus one for you. Bonus topic. Mm-hmm. I have an assignment for everybody in the room. You got to watch Coach Snoop. I think Raja, you would actually really I, like it. Yeah, Your boys play. I almost did the other night. It's on pretty good. I watched yeah. the first couple episodes. It's Snoop Dogg's new series on Netflix, and it's basically he has this league, this youth league. I was just, uh, just like, like I'm watching it, saying, "Man, they, they travel." Like an NFL team. Oh, Their first game was in Seattle. Then they went to Dallas. Then they had a home game. They're like going to Miami. Snoop, and Snoop came down here bumping those gums two years ago about how his <laughs> West Coast Cali team was going to tear up the, the yeah. Fort Lauderdale Hurricanes. Wasn't it Chad Ochoa? Wasn't it Chad Johnson? Wasn't he even affiliated with that? I don't know there was Ocho, an NFL player as affiliated. I don't know, but that Fort Lauderdale team, like, waxed them. Yeah. Like, Snoop, keep that on the West Coast, baby. Here's the thing where I thought of you when I thought it was kind of controversial. So they're out there cussing out the players like f-bombs left and right and they're like 12 13 11 12 13 years old and one of the moms doesn't like it yeah and they talk about why they use the language they do but my thing with snoop and i think it's really kind of two-faced is he comes out there and like he's still smoking weed he's still talking about (laughs) gang banging on the on the raps but then he says as a coach he wants to steer kids away from that environment and he said when i'm coach snoop I'm strict, and I never come up high. I never talk about, you know, I don't do any of those things with the players. Right. But is is that effective? Because the players are all listening to his music. Probably they're seeing what he does in his other time. It just seemed to me like a little bit of a double standard. Yeah, I think the players. Can, but yeah, I gotta watch it. They're they're old enough. Like my kids wouldn't know that Snoop does that stuff. They don't listen to his music. Right. Isn't they just he gonna know him be a Tortuga coach. this year? Oh, is Snoop. he? Yeah. Oh, we need a podcast guest. Let's get him in studio. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> get him wait, on. I'm looking at it. Yeah, he's gonna—he's the only person worth seeing. Oh, perfect! <laughs> Isn't it usually a country music festival down yeah, here in South Florida? It's literally Eric Church, Florida yeah. Georgia Line, Keith Urban, <laughs> Urban. I can't say that. Chase Rice, Sister Hazel, Snoop Dogg, and Snoop. Like, it's so Snoop random. Perfect. I love it. All right, let's go see him. Let's get him as a podcast. We guest. do want to congratulate Raja. On passing his class. Yes. Oh, thank you very yes. much. Thank you. I'm yeah, the certificate. We an applause. Yeah. Now, right did there. you do like I do with some of our HR stuff here, where you don't even watch, you just go through and then yeah, take the test absolutely. at the end? Absolutely. <laughs> get that. I mean, how hard I think was everybody it? Everybody does. Huh? How hard was it? It was very easy. Why didn't we do it in studio? <laughs> yeah, yeah, pictures and all of that. All um, right. Western High School. I'm reinstated and I did oh, yeah. it. <laughs> all right. Cleared for the playoffs. Yeah. Have you been given a warning? What happens if you get kicked out again? Like, is it a year suspension? No, I haven't been, but I don't plan. Let's so hope I'm it doesn't turn over to leaf. All right, good. All right. Thanks for checking us out. Make sure you go and subscribe on Apple Podcast. Uh, if you're not an Apple guy, which I'm not going to be much longer, I can't stay on my new iPhone. That's a whole other story. Google Play, <laughs> Stitcher, SoundCloud. You can find us anywhere. Podcasts are out there. Go to the iTunes page. Leave us a five-star review. Friday, we're going to do our five-star Q&A. Ask us a question. Ask us about anything on there. Um, still, we're still sending out cards. So if you go subscribe to us, if you want one, put in the request on there as well. Hey, send me a card, signed Danny Cannell card. We were going to have like a big special edition. We're going to get a Raja Bell card signed for anybody who wants one. So if you hit us up there on Those that. Those are still in circulation. We're going to find them. What? Get them signed out. That's what, that's what our listeners mean to us. And, uh, make sure you check us out on Twitter at Cannell and Bell. 
Uh, we're going to start doing a segment here pretty soon about the best interaction. So leave us some comments on Debo's tweets and anything you hear on the podcast. Uh, so look forward to that. All right. Thanks for checking us out. Have a good day.